HVAC 360, episode number 20. Prefunctional checklists for building commissioning. Welcome, welcome, welcome everybody to another edition of HVAC 360. I am your host, Matt Nelson. This week we're going to talk about a little uh, back to basics, pre-functional checklists when we're talking about building commissioning. Now, these are some of the ba more basic forms that I use in the commissioning process, that, or I should say that I use, that are used in the commissioning process. Uh, they are some of the, and they can be some of the most difficult parts of building commissioning. Uh, as those who have b commissioned buildings before will understand uh, pre-functional checklists involve cooperation from contractors. That can be something that's a little bit tough to come by, uh, second only to uh, getting issues resolved. Uh, that can be a big hang-up that really drags on and, and makes the uh, commissioning authority's job really, really difficult. But I want to talk about the pre-functional checklist from the standpoint of ASHRAE Guideline Zero and from the PECI. And as I was kind of going over the, the notes to this, I'm like, well, okay, maybe not everybody knows what PECI stands for. That's the Portland Energy Conservation, Inc. Um, they're really kind of, if you look at commissioning in general, they seem to be at the forefront there of some of the uh, the, the first studies, the first um, yeah, uh, first um, seminars and uh, getting the uh, uh, building commissioning, um, what are they called, uh, conventions put together. Um, so they're they're kind of, they're actually a nonprofit organization, and uh, I find some of their stuff uh, very useful and very valuable uh, to look at. If you want more information about PECI, you can go to their website. That's just uh, PECI.org. So the, really the forms of these prefunctional checklists come in various uh, sizes and shapes and contests, content. Um, there was really no hard and fast rules. Uh, pretty much everything that you'd read about are like, you know, basically cover A, B, and C, and you're good. Uh, so make them, you know, what you want. PECI definitely has a good structure uh, to follow. ASHRAE Guideline Zero has a little bit more ambiguous um, structure uh, that you can follow as well. And I'll get into that a little bit more and, um, more as I go through this. But basically what I'm going to do is I'm going to try to boil down the anatomy of these forms and uh, something, into something that you can digest. Okay, well, that sounds kind of gross, but uh, it's, maybe it's a bad analogy. You understand. So what are prefunctional checklists? Prefunctional checklists... There's a lot of different names you could give them. The prefunctional checklists, prefunctional forms. Um, there's construction checklists. Uh, that's something that, that the ASHRAE um, verbiage uh, is in guideline zero. They call them construction checklists. I have the personal take to just call them prefunctional checklists. They're checklists that need to be complete before you do your functional testing. So it's very descriptive. I think everybody pretty much has that. Uh, acceptance of, you know, something they've heard before. Construction checklist, checklists may kind of uh, may tend to confuse some people, but I think prefunctionals is pretty much accepted uh, throughout the industry. Now, 
these forms, by definition, these forms are to be used by the contractor to verify the component that the appropriate components are on site, ready for installation, correctly installed, and functional. Now that comes from guideline zero. That's really what the definition of what a pre-functional checklist should be. Really, when I get into a, uh, a pre-commissioning meeting with contractors, I like to tell them, you know, these are forms that you're supposed to fill out. I mean, the, basically, it's, it's things that you're already doing, and it's just really a documented way of saying, yes, I've done what I should do. Everything's ready. Go ahead and test it out. Now, they typically cover um, both, uh, you know, pre-functional checklists can cover both equipment, uh, components, or they can test entire systems or assemblies. Um, you know, if you took talking about equipment, chillers, pumps, if you talk about systems, heating, water piping, chilled water piping, things like that. Uh, and remember, not, you know, here's, here's something to remember if you're looking at pre-functional checklists, not every one of the pieces of equipment or systems that have a pre-functional checklist will require functional test procedures. Um, if they're not that complex, if they're standalone, they will just have the pre-functional checklist and, and you're good to go. Uh, so not every you know, system and component has both, uh, but most of them, you know, all of them will have that pre-functional checklist. So why? Why do we do this? Obviously the short answer is most of the time it's required. But, uh, you know, that's not always a, a, a great answer. I think the best answer is that it puts the contractor on record saying, yes, he's done these things, he's checked these things out, he signed off on them, and it's a clear signal to the commissioning authority that the equipment is ready for testing. So I, I think it goes a little bit deeper in that, and, and that's what I try to do with my pre-functional checklist. It really goes um, and becomes a repository for some critical information. It uh, becomes like a little roadmap of, of the design and construction. So uh, I'm going to go into that a little bit later. So let's talk a little bit about the anatomy. Now we have, obviously, uh, I'll compare these two for you. Uh, you have ASHRAE Guideline Zero. You have the PECI documents. Uh, guideline Zero, uh, as I mentioned before, is not very descriptive. It doesn't have a lot of meat, uh, so to speak. It, it really just provides an outline saying, you know, okay, here's kind of the, the, you know, the look of the tables they, uh, that you should have. Um, it, it should have certain sections. Um, but, you know, again, it's, it's a standard that you have to pay for. Uh, sold by, you know, go to the ASHRAE bookstore. You can download a uh, electronic copy or, or buy actually a hard copy uh, if that's the way, uh, that, if that's what you prefer. Not a bad document to get if you're in the, you know, if every commissioning authority should have a copy of Guideline Zero laying around the office somewhere. So, but I don't think it's a great place to really get a lot of detail about the pre-functional checklists. PECI, on the other hand, is very descriptive, and it's also free. So again, if you go to the PECI.org website, you can download some of these. The one thing that I'm going to caution you on is that these forms, when you look at them, they can, they're really overly cumbersome. Um, they're not visually neat. You know, it's, it's very 
technical. I, I, I guess I get a hard time describing it, but when you look at it, it's very confusing. So if it's confusing to an engineer uh, who has to sit down and, and look at it and analyze it, if you give it to a contractor just from the PCI website, they're going to roll their eyes. They're going to throw it in their job box. It's not going to see the light of day until you absolutely start screaming over it. So really, I guess what I want to tell you now is that you need to remember you need to make the forms as, as simple as possible to get as much information across. Um, and uh, the more likely, if you do that, the more likely it is going to be filled out by the contractor. So the different components, if you were talking about, you know, the, the structure for Guideline Zero, um, the Guideline Zero, they start off with some instructions, basically, telling the contractors how to fill out these forms, everything like that. They have a model verification uh, section, which is, is actually uh, pretty consistent between both uh, Guideline Zero and PECI. They have a pre-installation checks, they have installation checks, and then they have a conflict section. So basically, the pre-installation checks is when it gets to the job site, you know, is it abused? Does it look like it's been dropped? Um, just making sure that the contractors checked over the piece of equipment, that when they accept it and they install it, that, you know, there's not anything uh, uh, potentially wrong with it that shouldn't be addressed right then and there. Um, obviously, the installation checks, those are, you know, once it's installed, um, and then the conflicts, anything that's wrong with the equipment that would prevent it from being functionally tested. Uh, that's really what they want to focus on. What are the conflicts that, uh, that, that you know, need to arise? Moving on to the PECI forms. They have a, um, basically it's split up into the submittal of the pre-functional checklist forms by the contractor, the approval, and both of these are kind of sign-off, signature, sign-and-date kind of things. They have the approval by the commissioning authority. They have requested documents uh, area. They have a model verification, again, similar to the ASHRAE Guideline Zero, installation checks, and operational checks. Now, looking at both of these, it's, it's a little bit easier to start with the PECI documents and kind of mold them into, you know, whatever you want. Um, that's something that I've done. You know, I use, you know, the submittal of the approval, the model verification, the install, and the operational checks. Those are kind of the four components that I think that, uh, you know, in, at least in my opinion, those are the crucial ones, and I kind of explain each one of those uh, in a little bit more detail. So when we're talking about submittals and approvals. Um, I think that the PA, PECI documents have some great instructions as far as what the submittal from the contractor, uh, you know, needs to needs to be. Um, really, they state that you know checklists are you know the checklist items are to be completed and checked off only by parties having direct knowledge of this, the events. Now, basically, what they're spelling out here is that they don't want, you know, the the project manager who is, you know, sitting at a desk somewhere, who, you know, is the person who actually orders the equipment, has it shipped to the job site. They don't want to have that person checking off the fact that yes, it was, uh, you know, checked for leaks, or or we've had the, uh, you know, the pump aligned, or you know, just the different things that only uh, guys in the field, technicians, superintendents. Only those guys would really have direct knowledge of those things being actually done. You know, they, they really don't want this, and, and you know, it's, uh, 
you know, very critical not to have these pre-functional checklists rubber stamped by somebody that they just check, 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 check. Yep, yep, it's all good. You're good. Uh, good to go functional test it. And then you start functional testing and you start finding things that are wrong with them. So that's when the only, you know, I mean, even have it underlined only by parties having direct knowledge of the event. It's that, it's really that critical. Um, when you talk about the approval process, now, I think both the, um, um, you know, checklists, <clears throat> there's going to be a couple of different things with the approval process. Um, the commissioning authority is either going to take a look at the pre-functional checklist that's been submitted, and they're going to uh, check it for completeness. And if it's a complete, they're going to say, okay, well, we're good to go. Or they're going to take it and say, all right, um, now I'm going to go out in the field, and for a certain percentage of these pieces of equipment, I'm going to go and check them personally just to make sure that things are on the up and up. Again, it's kind of a quality process uh, just to make sure that everything is, is done okay. Now, moving on to model verification. Now, model verification, this is something that if you look at the, the finer points of the PECI documents, um, these are some of the more critical components. This is one of those you know, uh, places where it provides a good roadmap uh, for uh, the project. And here's what I mean by that. This form, and it, it really confused me for the longest time, and, you know, I, I've, I've gone through a couple of iterations of this, but it will have on the documents basically what you have, um, you'll have, like, uh, say, for example, the model number um, and the manufacturer. They're going to have, like, a little one, two, and three by each one of these categories. And, and what the one, two, and three mean is the one means what the piece of equipment was in design. So you take the design and you'd write it down in the one slot. And you go all the way down and you'd, you'd write in as much information as you could about that from the, uh, uh, from the different schedules that were on the drawings or things like that. The little two would say, okay, now you get the submittal. Uh, and that is the submittal check, so it's basically back-checking, you know, comparing the submittals to what was in the design. Now you get to the third stage, and that number three was what it is when it was actually installed. Now, you know, I look at that and I said, well, you know, that's a lot of, that's a lot of busy work, you know. I mean, come on, it's, 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 you know, just get what it is as installed, and, you know, you've checked it along the way, so... You know, what's the big deal? Well, you know what? It really actually provides that good roadmap um, that your, uh, you know, what you saw in design, you know, if there's any changes, whether they be, you know, changes to the, uh, the different options to the piece of equipment or whether they bump the motor horsepower up and then that's something that it should uh, trigger you to look in uh, on your uh, electrical drawings uh, to kind of cross-check uh, those type of things and see what was actually installed. So it really it gives you a, a simple place to, to really look and analyze each and one of those uh, pieces of information. And, you know, once you get it down from the drawings to the, uh, the pre-functional checklist, once you get that information, uh, it's a lot easier 
uh, and I think a, a very more definitive way of checking your submittals, and that's a that's a lead rec- lead um, criteria is that you check your submittals. So it's a documented way of checking your lead submittals. It's right there in your pre-functional checklist. You don't really have to do any other pieces of paperwork. You just spell it out when your final report saying I reviewed the submittals, and that documentation is in my pre-functional checklist um, on the model verification form. So really, it, it provides you that easy way of just you know instead of having to you know take the submittal and then you know th- you know fumble back through the. Um, uh, the, you know the different detail sheets and the different schedule sheets on the drawings. It provides you a, a single point where you're just continuously updating that information on that one form, and that gives you uh, a clear way of uh, you know being able to specify that information. So, you know, and whether or not you have you actually get all that information yourself, um, you know, at least in the stage three and in, in construction. You know that that's kind of that's kind of up to you. Um, you know I've gone through and you know again making it what is what's the simplest thing for the contractor to fill out. You know they you know sometimes they're like well you know going around to all the pieces of equipment. And, you know it's kind of a, a a pain in the butt to be able to uh, you know for them to do, and it's a nice back check to just to kind of you know every time you're you're checking the installation anyway of the equipment. Why not, once it's installed, take your pre-functional checklist, just fill out that form while you're there, and that's one thing less that you have to request and, and interpret, and that way you can get it in typing and you know type it onto the form. You don't have to read anybody's handwriting. Uh, it becomes a lot simpler. And just rely on the contractors just to have uh, those uh, installation checks, those operation checks. Yeah, just have them uh, fill that piece of information out. Now, when you go into the install section, uh, installation checks. Again, you know, just to kind of give you an idea of what you know, some of the installation checks. This is you know, making sure that you know the casing's in good condition, uh, the fins on on some of the the heat transfer coils haven't been damaged. Uh, you're looking for uh, you know, fit and finish, making sure that all the all the things that um, you know all the different components and and uh, sensors that were on the drawings actually show up in the final piece of uh, equipment install, uh, making sure that the details were followed by the contractors. Those types of things uh, are in uh, integral to the installation checks. Now, when you have, I guess the part of the part of the issue is you're going to have multiple contractors going over this. So you know you get back to that point where okay, only those people responsible for having installed the equipment uh, or those pieces of uh, pieces and parts uh, have those fill them out. Well, it's not going to be the same contractor installing the piece as it is going to be wiring up the piece. Is the you know same as the person going to be that are be uh, going to be wiring the controls? So there's really going to be three you know separate contractors that you could potentially have uh, on a single piece of equipment, possibly even more. We, you don't know. Um, and what you need to be able to do uh, if you're going to have these separate uh, separate contractors uh, responsible for uh, checking out these pieces of equipment. I would recommend that you break those uh, installation checks into installation checks by mechanical, installation checks by electrical, installation checks by temperature controls, and kind of spell that out, get that in there for them um, to make sure that that, that is, that is uh, 
uh, all in line and that they understand, okay, it's this section. Uh, a lot of times, especially if you look on the, the basic PECI document, they'll have a, co- they'll have a column in there that says uh, contractor. And that's where you're supposed to fill in exactly who, who does this. But I think that's, you know, you need to digest it as much as you can. So I would even go as far as taking those uh, sections and, and blocking them out and making just a, you know, complete these five checks. It just you know, make it as dirt simple as you can for the contractors. You know, it's it's not something that, you know, you know they won't think that you're talking down to them. It's just, okay, they like to see, okay, this is, you know, these 15 steps, that's all I have to check, and then my job's done. They, they need it spelled out for them. Um, and they definitely, uh, you know, appreciate when you do that. So it's it's not ambiguous to anybody. It's not it's not confusing. <clears throat> so when you talk about the uh, the next step, the next phase uh, is the op- operational checks. Yeah, again, if it's a basic piece of equipment, this is you know you're going to go through these, and that's going to be it. Uh, really, you know, is it is it connected? Is it powered up? Does it turn on and off? Uh, does it cycle through the, uh, you know, do all the high-speed, uh, high-low-speed fan options on cabinet unit heaters work? Um, you know, does the light switch activate the, you know, the, the lights? It, it really can be that simple, and these are just kind of basic functions. They're not to get into any sequences. You know, that's for the functional test forms. If it have a, has a sequence of operation, it's going to have a functional test procedure for that piece of equipment. But operational checks are basically you're bumping the motor, does it turn in the right direction, are you getting flow, those types of basic things. So really kind of that's, that's the anatomy of this. So the, the, whole goal, the whole goal is to develop your forms, and you, you, know, you really, if you look at the time frame of when you're supposed to be doing these, you know, develop them early on in the process. You should be doing these kind of, you should get the list together, um, you know, when you're, uh, um, you know, when you're doing, you know, some of your work in the design phase. Get them together, get the, get, you know, know what the list of the pre-functional checklist forms are going to be. Um, start develop, developing them. You know, when you get the, you know, the bid documents, that's when you can start filling out, um, you know, that, those, those model verifications that I was talking about a little bit ago. But you want to make sure, you know, and here's, you know, one of these things. You want to make sure that you get the forms integrated into what the contractor is required to do. Uh, Not only, so that means not only do you want to have it in your specifications saying that, okay, you know, all contractors that are going to be, that have systems that are involved in commissioning are going to be responsible for completing uh, some of the checklists, and you're going to give them to them. Not only doing that, um, but you kind of you, you reiterate to them. So you get it in, you get it in the specifications. Um, then you tell them at the pre-bid meeting. Uh, you tell them at the pre-commissioning meeting when you're in construction. And then you know I would go even go as far as actually trying to work it in to their. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, their schedule of values. Uh, and what I mean by that is that, you know, contractors get paid based on work they're required to do. So uh, if they don't complete something, if the general contractor or the construction manager doesn't receive work that they're expecting that's been documented for 
uh, if they don't get that paperwork, um, they're not going to get paid. You know, just like it's just like another submittal for them. If they don't get submittals, if they don't get O and M's, they're not going to get paid. Tie it to that because uh, you know you really when a contractor pays attention, it's usually about money. And if it's not required in the contract, they're not going to do it. Uh, they're not going to waste their time to do it uh, if they can't be made to do it. And really, this is something that you just want to say, okay, you know what, this is just like everything else. It's not special. You don't want to make a big deal about it. But you do want to have that hard-coded into the whole project so that you can get that information back from them. So, again, you want to keep it simple for the contractor. I mean, it even goes as far as if you read Guideline Zero, ASHRAE has it in there. You want to keep it simple for the contractors. You want to make sure that you get this valid information back you know from the field and even i think that they they even go to the extent of saying you know what when you're making these checks these pre-functional checks they suggest that questions be worded um so that they're clear and that the correct answer is typically yes so when you do that um you know you avoid a lot of problems you know some other tips you can have is uh, be careful of the rubber stamping again i mentioned that earlier uh, but, you know, one of the things that I like to do uh, to avoid that is not to use, uh, not to have checks in a checklist. I know it's kind of, I guess, contradictory. You'd think a checklist, I want to have checks. But I would say use words. Have them use words. So does it pass? Yes. You know, or no. Uh, if If the thing is you know, complete, you know, um, you know, pass, fail, use, use words like that, or not applicable, or, or by others. Have them use words when filling out the, the forms. Um, so don't use checks or Xs. I think that's just kind of confusing. Some people, you know, it, 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 you know some, it's, it's, it's just too tough. You know, if you have a yes or no, there's not a lot of, you know, ambiguity about that. Um, also, you want to make sure that um, that uh, one. I guess another thing that you could do to make sure that the you know you keep it simple for the contractors is not to overwhelm them. You know, I mean, you could you could go into the commissioning meeting, the you know the the pre-construction commissioning meeting, and just you know lay just a whole boatload of forms on them. Uh, but you know, you might want to think about actually just kind of. Uh, you know, batch feeding them, giving them, you know, whenever thing, something is, is done, hey, I'll give you this form, you give it back to me, and we'll check it off, and we'll be okay. So don't give them everything at once. That way it doesn't give them an opportunity to throw it in the job box and lose it. Uh, so, I mean, there's a number of times when I've, I've given pre-functional checklists to contractors five and six times. I mean, it really, it gets ridiculous uh, a lot of times with the project managers. They, they just they can't keep a hold of it. Um, you know, for that long. So I think, um, you know, even even to that, that uh, just have just a one-page tracking form, just something that you're, you're looking for the contractor uh, to provide. So it, it really kind of gives, again, just kind of more of a, or another roadmap for the, for the contractor to follow that says, okay, here's where I'm at, here's what I have left to do, uh, and just kind of check through them. Uh, so when you have commissioning meetings, you can kind of use that as a reference point saying, okay, you know, I've, I've given you these pre-functionals. I expect them back. Once you're done with that, I can give you some new ones just to kind of have that relationship. And obviously, 
excuse me, things are going to work differently for different contractors. You're going to have uh, find a, a kind of a, a routine that works best for you. Uh, but again, this is this is one of those frustrating parts when you're relying on other people to do your work. These and this is work that typically they haven't done in the past. Now, that may change in the future where they get more used to it, um, and that's you know a fortunate place to be. But really, one of the frust like I said, one of the frustrating parts is trying to get work back from somebody else uh, that you need to get done. So I think I've pretty much covered it all uh, that I need to for now for the pre-functional checklists for building commissioning. All right, so I guess, you know, those are my tips and comments. I don't know if you have any of them uh, that, that you've learned from in the past uh, that you can apply uh, or even just, you know, let me know, uh, and I can, I can share some of those with, uh, you know, with our listeners. I really, really appreciate any comments that you'd have. Uh, so also, uh, if you have... Um, uh, if you want uh, some reminders of the past episodes or some a little bit of insider information, uh, don't forget I I do actually have a monthly newsletter that I've started sending out. Um, it's it's not so much a, a newsletter, but there might be a few tips and tricks depending on you know how I'm feeling that uh, that at that particular moment. But you can go to my blog at. Uh, buildingx.co and sign up sign up for it right there uh, and I put that again I put that out on a monthly basis just to keep you up to date and figure out you know what we've been issuing so if that uh, that's that's pretty much all I have for today remember you can follow me on Twitter if you want building X and I have a blog at buildingx.co where you can listen to these episodes. Uh, you can point your friends to the, this, uh, you know, those those pages. If you find this interesting, please share them uh, with others. You know, I love growing my audience. I really appreciate uh, you all listening. And uh, uh, you know, I just do this to share what I know with everybody else. So, until next time, remember, know what you build and share what you know.